Hello and welcome to Actuarial People with myself, James Turner. I'm excited to be launching a brand new podcast where each week I'll be speaking with the UK actuary. My aim is to give you, the listener, greater insight into the people behind the profession and their personal career journeys. So we'll cover things like why and how they became an actuary, what they do on a day-to-day basis, how they balance work and study with life, any specialisms they've developed, and how their role has evolved over time. So whether you're an actuary yourself, or you're aspiring to become one in the future, welcome and enjoy. Welcome to Actuarial People, Kath Hodges. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for, for being here. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It is a Friday morning at time of recording. I am looking forward to the weekend. I am just finishing my third week at Foremost and it's been a ride, but I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's a good place to start, actually. If, if you wouldn't mind just giving the listeners a quick overview of who you are and what you do today, and then we'll go right back to the beginning and, and work from there. Yes. Okay. It's a long way back. Great, stop <laughs> in. Um, I, um, I've just joined Foremost as a client partner. So what I do at the moment is going out, meeting insurance companies, understanding what their current challenges are, the sorts of problems that they're facing and trying to work out what we can do to help them. Fantastic. Well, I will start where I always do, which is ask you to cast your mind back. Can you remember when you first discovered that the actuarial profession existed? Well, no, I really can't. But I'll tell you why. There's a really good reason for it. My godfather was an actuary. So I I think I've always known that there was such a thing as an actuary. And I think I've always had a rough idea what they did. Um, my godfather... <laughs> worked at Equitable Life. So some some younger listeners may not be aware of the uh, the furore around Equitable Life. Um but he 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 survived that period at Equitable Life just about it was a massive um stories in the news. There was a, a lot of upset around Equitable Life. Okay. Um so it was it was dramatic. So I grew up thinking that being an actor it was very exciting, in fact. Um it perhaps wasn't the um it wasn't the impression that's necessarily reflected all of my career. Um but I always had this view that so my godfather and his wife they always seemed to have nice holidays. You know, they were always going mm. to the south of France. They had the biggest sofa I'd ever seen in my <laughs> life. Um, so I always had the impression that being an actuary brought with it a lovely lifestyle. So mm. I always had the impression that it was a, a good job to have. When did you start seriously thinking about becoming one yourself? Um, so I did the, the classic A-levels um, and I think at that point I had a view that that might be what I wanted to do. I worked at Royal and Sun Alliance as it was then, um, weekends and evenings. I did cold calling on the phone, trying to sell home insurance. So I, I definitely had that view of of getting into to the insurance industry. And really early in my maths degree, I started working for a small consultancy in Bristol um doing the the classic for people of my age the majority of people my age got into actuarial work by doing the pensions review which was um, working out what compensation was due to people who'd been missold pensions in the kind of around about the 90s 
So I had that that classic introduction to actuarial work, and that was really handy. Paid my way through uni. Cold calling, selling people home insurance. How was that? I loved it. I loved it. You used to get the. So this is going right back. In so you you wouldn't remember what what offices were were like at this point, but I'm talking about sort of the mid nineties here, and. People were allowed to smoke at their desks at this point in time. (laughs) And the office was on sort of stilts over what's called the trench in Bristol, which is essentially a piece of water that links up the floating harbour and Welshback, and it's stagnant, essentially. So it stinks. And you've got the option in this office of you can have the windows closed, in which case you will suffocate from the cigarette smoke, or you can open the windows and you can have the stench from the trench. (laughs) So it wasn't the ideal office conditions, but I absolutely loved it. I thought it was the height of glamour to have a headset on at that point in in time. Yeah. and you used to get a one pound. This is this is going to sound ridiculous now. You used to get a one pound voucher for every policy that you sold, which I just thought was amazing. At that point, I was I was still at school. I was doing my A levels, and I would go home with with a little watch of vouchers. It was amazing. I loved it, and I loved the camaraderie of it. I loved the excitement of everyone wanting to make a sale. I've always loved being in an office, to be honest. I just thought it was brilliant. What were the vouchers for? Um, You could choose choose from a very limited range of department stores. So I I think I got Debenhams vouchers, which doesn't even exist anymore, does it? (laughs) But I bought loads of new clothes to take to university with it. So it was brilliant for me. (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. So, so then you started a, a small consultancy doing the pensions review. Yeah. What did you sort of think if that was your sort of first actuarial role? Did you did you enjoy that, or did you think oh, this is just a, a stopgap before I do something a bit different? I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the work. It was so that I'm still in the still in the nineties here at, at this point in time, and it was an office full of middle-aged white men right there was there was me and there was the office manager slash secretary frankly who was a woman and everyone else was was a middle-aged man essentially so i loved the work but the 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 environment the culture maybe not so much um which was probably why I decided to go into the insurance company side of actuarial rather than the consultancy at that point mm. in time. Okay. And and how was that then? So you joined, it's up to you if we name companies, so I'll cut this out. Yeah, if you're not happy I to. joined, I mean, especially, especially I would name AXA. I joined them, I joined their graduate scheme when I left university in 2000. And they were and are a fantastic employer. I absolutely loved my time at AXA. They would just brilliant and they were so forward thinking and so supportive of people's development and so respectful of the differences between people and the fact that different people had different skills different abilities and wanted different career paths they were fantastic i i was on the rotation scheme as most um student entries on the grad schemes are and at the time, I resented it because every time I was in a rotation, I loved it and I never wanted to move and I always wanted to just stay there. Um, so and at the time, I didn't I didn't value that. I didn't appreciate the chance to get a free go 
at trying all these different roles, which I, I, I didn't realise how lucky I was at the time. But looking back, it was a brilliant opportunity and it gave me really, really good insight into what I wanted to do in the future. At the time, I just complained about it every time. <laughs> <laughs> so what sort of things did you do? And if, if there are people listening who haven't been lucky enough to try so many different things, give, give a feel for what you did and how, how one thing differs from another. Yeah, so I worked in a compliance team working on cases. I managed um, a small team of, of redress calculators. I went into the um, the French Gap team because it was AXA, it was a French company, so the majority of the calculations were done on a UK Gap basis on the, the FSA um, returns as, as they were then. So I was in the team that calculated the, the reserves on the French Gap basis okay. and also did the um, forecasting, uh, five-year planning, so, so lots of reporting type work which which I loved then and, and I still think you know that that the paciness of having the monthly deadlines and the need to get it all done um I like to be busy and actually having a deadline constantly looming as long as it's a realistic deadline actually that's really nice for maintaining focus and the, the day passing really quickly yeah, fine. Um, I went into pricing. I, that was re- it was great. I'm really, really pleased that I did a pricing rotation because now I know I don't like pricing and I never need to do it again. <laughs> um, but it was a fantastic opportunity. I got to look after the Axel Island Man business, so the offshore business. I did the pricing, the onshore bit of the pricing. Everything was signed off in the on the island, obviously because it's offshore. That's um, that's how they maintain their tax status. And I looked after the pre-retirement pensions pricing so lots of unit linked pricing lots of working with marketing um very commercial very much out of my comfort zone i qualified there so the expectations on you when you first qualify quite high um i was a little bit of a fish out of water but i survived it and i got really valuable experience so so looking back i'm really really glad i did it um it would be terrible to to get to to 30 and think well i'm going to try pricing i might really like it and then if you don't, it's kind of a bit more of a problem at yeah, 30 yeah. than it is at 24. It's not a problem. You can always just go for another job. But, you know, it's it's nice to have that free pass that you get on the rotation scheme. What was it about pricing that you didn't enjoy? Hi, guys. We'll get straight back to the conversation in a second. Just a quick reminder that when I'm not recording podcasts, I specialise in helping pensions actuaries with their career moves. And I'd love to help you when the time comes to explore your options. I work with people at all levels, whether you have a couple of years experience through to senior positions. My approach is different to most recruiters. I started my own business last year and work alone, which means I have zero pressure to hit targets and can just focus on giving the best possible help and advice. So whether you're thinking of making a move now or would just like to understand your options for the future, please get in touch via LinkedIn or email james at turnerperkins.com. Back to the show. I think it was the nebulousness of it. So at that time I'd gone from reporting where I always knew what I needed to do next and yes there were some days of the month when I didn't have a pressing deadline but I had certain developments that I might want to do I had certain improvements and I had a fixed window where I could do them so I was always very busy very focused pricing it was much more of a um well what what can we what can we do to improve this area and as a as a 23 year old 
nearly, nearly qualified actually. I just sort of looked at it and went, I don't know. Um, not going to take me very long to answer the question with, <laughs> I don't know. So it was, it was awkward. And also, at that point in time, I was a lot more shy than I am now. Okay. And there was a lot of sort of conferences and hobnobbing with marketing types who were very outgoing. And at that point, I found that quite overwhelming. I would I would probably cope with it better now, but I wouldn't necessarily enjoy it. I think mm-hmm. the pressure, the social pressure was was a lot for me at that time. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned um, qualifying. How did you find the exams? Quite like doing the exams. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to be busy. I enjoyed studying. I still enjoy studying. Um, not going to go down well with current students, is it? But it's always a relief when you qualify and you don't have to do it again. And when I'm really stressed in my life, my anxiety dream is to find out that there's another exam that I didn't realise I hadn't done and I have to do it. So, you know, it's clearly quite embedded yeah. within me that, you know, that need to qualify and pass the exams. And I noticed you were, were an examiner for, for several years. So yes, what did you learn from that? Any Any tips for people having gone through lots and lots of exam papers absolutely absolutely so yeah I, I used to write the st1 and sa1 papers as they were net then um that's now the sp1 and the sa1 papers so the health and care papers um loads of overlap between the health and care papers and the life paper um essentially if um if you're familiar with the life paper the life the content of of the life paper essentially if you take out with profits and pop in some short-term health insurance that's the health and care paper so it covers things like income protection long-term care critical illness and pmi dental those kinds of products as well um i wrote those for a long time i loved being on that team i loved working with people outside of my company so having that broader network i could talk for an hour on exam technique and, and tips about what what i think that people should do to maximise their chances of passing the exams. Uh, slightly different now that they're online, but I would still say the biggest tip that I can give anybody is limit your time on any question to being the number of marks for that question times whatever you want to give it, a minute and a half, something like that, no more. Because the, the reality is, even if you think you're writing really good quality stuff, you can't get more marks than the question has available. When you've spent that time, you've got to move on. Nice. And then when you're marking people's exams, is it quite black and white in terms of would the mark you give be exactly the same as another examiner or is it subjective? And and if so, how do you handle that? It's it's slightly subjective. So there's a lot of standardisation goes on. So all the markers on any subject will mark lots of lots of the same scripts essentially so the same five scripts will be marked by all the markers so you then know okay this person marks quite generously this person marks much less generously and then statistically you can you can level out the the marks from the whole book of of the scripts so it's it's a a very mathematical approach how generous are you I'm kind of in the middle, although funnily enough, I recently started um, getting involved again. I gave up when my daughter was born because doing anything extra when you've got a baby is just frankly 
it's just masochistic why would you put yourself through it and so I gave up then she's now 10 I thought I can I can just about <laughs> I can just about deal with something now it's taken me 10 years and um I am more generous now <laughs> than I was <laughs> you do learn a lot of patience and tolerance during parenthood yeah yeah brilliant so so you you were with AXA for for more than 10 years you speak very highly of them but obviously a time came where for whatever reason you 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 moved on to somewhere new so what what happened then so so friends life bought the um the life insurance part of AXA in the UK so I I didn't move very far I moved up a floor um the um the culture changed the culture always changes when when a company is bought or sold and you kind of don't think it will because you're still working with all the same people but actually the changes percolate down from the top um friends life um was also a lovely company actually and it was um slightly less commercially driven i would say than than axa and it felt smaller because obviously it wasn't part of that massive global corporation it was just friends life in in the uk and um i think on the island again on the isle of man so so it felt it felt smaller it felt perhaps a little bit more cuddly um but but similar and for me at that point in time it was very convenient it was near my home i used to go up to dorking uh, every other week for half the week but it was fundamentally it was it was handy and I was doing really interesting work so when I worked for Friends Life I was doing that um, working in their capital management area so I was doing things like mergers and acquisitions financial restructuring um, capital optimization projects um, it's a really interesting stuff that, that I loved loved doing and loved having the exposure to to the board all that kind of stuff yeah. So, so as as you got more experience, how did you start deciding what you wanted to do? Obviously, you'd you you tried lots in your in your early years and um, ruled out pricing, uh, for example. But how, yeah, how did you and, start? And also ruled out modelling at that point okay. because I thought, well, I'm not a coder. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those geeky bearded actuaries that you get <laughs> over in modelling. So I'm never going to do modelling. So that ruled out pricing and modelling. So then that sort of left me with reporting, which I loved um and change work really i suppose and um at that point in time because because of the nature of friends life it was um it was overseen by the resolution board the the big um kind of they were very into making the most out of the capital of the companies that they'd purchased so it was it was a really exciting area to work in and i enjoyed it and i think there's a lot to be said for doing what you enjoy because you'll Mm. be good at it and you'll want to go to work in the morning and what were your motivations i think i like to be respected and i knew that i was doing a good job and that i was respected um i could stand up in front of all the actuaries in the company and talk about what we were doing and they would find it interesting and they would ask questions that i could answer so it was a nice it was almost an ego boost working in that area it was really it was it was um and it was quite joyous you know we we were we knew we were managing the business we knew we were adding value um, so it was a very positive area yeah. to be in. It felt like being at the the front of the company, if you like. Um, and I'd have probably stayed there for a lot longer. But at that point in time, I, I went on maternity leave. And I knew going back that actually that working environment wasn't terribly conducive to going in at a set time, 
leaving at a set time, having my Wednesday off to spend with the baby. It, it wasn't going to have that flexibility that I needed. Um, and I was really, really lucky that at that time, Solvency 2 was really taking off. So I'm, I'm in 2013 now. 2014 mm. and solvency 2 was a massive big deal they needed loads of people in solvency 2 i had changed skills i was a technical actuary so it was a really easy move to make so i moved came back from maternity leave into the solvency 2 team and i was doing things like design and methodology work so still change but much more actuarial facing much more technical and frankly much less um much less pressure to work late as well, yeah. which yeah. was really important for me when I had a daughter that I had to be picked up in, from nursery. I just had to leave on time. And this is before you had a laptop, you know. I didn't, I had a Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> I would certainly remember those. Did you move into people management at that point? I've always managed, um, well, no, so I, I, intermittently. So my career is, is one long peak and trough of a manager team the team gets bigger and bigger. People give me another team and they give me more people. And then I go, I'm spending all my time man managing. I'm not doing any actuarial work. So then I move out of that and I go to a purely technical role. And that's you can plot that through my entire career. So I had some really large teams in AXA in the um, in the reporting area. Um, and I had some some absolutely zero people management. Um, roles in friends life I, I've, I've had that always that's always been a, a feature of of my career <laughs> yeah well, you must be good at it if they keep giving you more and more people <laughs> I would characterize it like this I take it really seriously because you know if if you go wrong with a spreadsheet you can click undo or you can start from scratch you can go back to a previous version and it's always fine um with people they kind of really matter. So you have to get it right first time. And if you don't know how to get it right, that's immensely stressful. So I think maybe I do it well and maybe I don't. I wouldn't like to comment, but what I would say is I take it really, really seriously. I think it's a really, really important part of the job. And I really put effort and thought into it. Um, which is also why I find it really stressful when I've got a really large team. I've managed 10 or so people, not 140 odd. How, where do you even start with that? There's a step change. There's a step change when you go from knowing absolutely everybody on a really in-depth in personal level. And around about 40, I think it changes to a point where you have to adopt really different techniques because you're not going to have that one-to-one -one relationship with every single person. That's a really hard jumping off point. I, I kind of want to get to because you've, you've you've worked in insurance businesses for yeah. much of your career. You said at the top you've you've you're th what three weeks into your your role as a consultancy, yeah. um, so I want to get get towards that. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what happened. So, uh, to going going back to to working, coming back from maternity leave and solvency two, and that was a a really a really big sort of pivotal moment for me when Aviva bought Friends Life. And all that solvency to design and methodology work just vanished because Aviva were a long way ahead. They'd already done that. We were going to be using their methodology and designs. And suddenly right. my job just wasn't there. But Aviva still needed good people and they needed people in, in my office. Hmm. And um, a lovely, lovely man called Tim came to me and said, 
Kath, I, I really need you. I haven't got I haven't got a plan B. I really need you to take this proposal. I want you to come and lead the modelling team. And I went, yeah, modelling is the one thing that I do, don't do. I've never done modelling. I'm never going to do modelling. Um, and to cut a long story short, I went and led the modelling team. <laughs> and I, I think I found, I've, I've, to a degree, I found my spiritual home. Um, and, and that is why I think it's really, really important. Like I said with the rotations, you have to try everything. It's no good saying that's not for me. If you haven't tried it, you just never know. And I, taking that job in modelling, against my better judgment, really, um, was a, a massive um, turn in my career, which enabled me to then have the confidence to leave um, that office where I'd been for 17 years through Acts of Friends Life and Aviva and actually to find my wings and to go to Legal and General to head up their modelling centre, which I absolutely loved. It was fantastic. I went from there to work at Phoenix, um, managing that enormous department, the actuarial change. And it has brought me ultimately, as you said, to foremost to the consultancy. Talk us through the modelling. So, you know, you'd ruled it out. It's the last thing you see yourself doing, but then suddenly you're signing up to it. What was that like? What were the challenges? How did you go from being sceptical to loving it? It was hilarious because I, I just I went in on my first day and I just had to say to them, look, I'm really sorry, guys. I don't know anything about modelling, but I promise I will do my best for you every single day. And I was very lucky that they went, OK, Kath, let's give it a go. And some of them were more cynical about it than others. But fundamentally, they taught me and they coached me and they explained things to me. And they were patient with me because I would I would be throwing out ideas. And some of my ideas would stick and they'd be great. And they'd say, wow, Kath, this has made a massive difference to us. And then others, they'd go, no, that's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and they had the, the patience and... And the forbearance to, to deal with all that. Um, and it was it's, it's such a positive experience. Really brilliant. And how did you come to enjoy and like and love modelling? Um, just by trying it. As soon as I tried it, I felt very comfortable with it. It's, it's fundamentally very achievable because it's actuarial concepts that we learn about in the exams and it's applying it to to situations and use cases that people come to you and say I've got this really relatively well-defined problem it gets more difficult when you when you've got something massive like IFRS 17 and you're being asked to model a massive change in on many different levels all in one go but, but that wasn't where I started out. You know, I started out with people saying, oh, I've got this new product and it looks a bit like this one, but it's slightly different. Please, could you model it for us? And those kinds of things. Mm. Um, so it was it was achievable and, and it was um, helped by, in my experience, modelling teams being welcoming and friendly. People from the outside, you look at the modelling team and you think, well, they look a bit um, cliquey almost. But, but they're not a clique, they're a community. Actually, once you're in there, they welcome you with open arms. What experience have you had of dealing with consultancies from the other side over, over the years? So working in change, which essentially I've been working in change since about 2006, my first role as change actuary. Um, so you're constantly working with consultants because change is really where you have that 
that resource overflow where you can't you can't possibly as an insurance company you can't hire enough permanent staff to resource that to your peak requirement because then when you weren't at that peak you'd have people sitting around doing nothing and that would be ridiculous so change is where you use your consultants and I've been in change for a really long time I've worked primarily with the big four from the other side um some of them would put a recurring meeting in my diary um I'm thinking of one individual in particular one of the big four who would put a meeting in my diary every other month he would come to me and he would say Kath this is what we see in the industry at the moment this is the regulatory change that you need to be thinking about that's going to hit you um this is what your competitors are doing this is what's new in the world of modeling and he would bring me added value and then he would also say to me okay Kath what challenges are you facing at the moment what problems do you have um and some of them, it would be almost a coaching session. I would sit with him and I'd say, oh, I've got this terrible problem. I can't get the data out of my database quickly enough. So it's messing up my working day timetable. And he'd talk me through some avenues that I could look at, some things that I could explore, maybe that I hadn't thought of. And then other things, it would be, oh, you're thinking of replacing your workflow system. Well, actually... We know quite a lot about workflow systems so why don't we come in and present you about what some of the options are and what we could offer you as a consultancy that is peak consultancy for me that he's adding value he's establishing himself as an expert who i respect and i can trust so that when i do need to go external i know where i'm going to go as my first port of call um, the people who would come to me and they'd say, Kath, I need half an hour in your diary because I've got a presentation on this amazing proposition that we're going to be rolling out to all the insurance companies. And I'd go, what? I don't need that, actually. I've got no interest in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kath, book it in. It's amazing. You're going to love it. Probably not. <laughs> Do you know what? Spoiler alert. I'm probably not going to love it because you forced it on me and I don't have any interest in it. So I know what sort of consultants I don't want to be and I know what sorts of consultants I want to be. And and I'm determined that I'm going to add value to all my network, anyone that I can that I can work with, because I've got nearly 25 years experience behind me. I know a lot of stuff. I can provide advice. I am highly technical. And also I'm a good listener. I'm like, I've got a good um, caring ear. So I can add value and I can be that trusted advisor. So it's about establishing those relationships and being there for my clients and not trying to force on them something that I happen to have built. And therefore, I think they should have whether they like it or not. Yeah. yeah. When when did you start to actually think about moving into consulting yourself? Was that quite a quick thing or has that um, been on your mind on and off for a few years? So... When I when I joined Phoenix, I had a team of about 40. And a few months later, I had a team of 70 something. And by the following Easter, I had a team of 145. And at that point, I wasn't doing any actuarial work. And it was quite stressful because that's a lot of people to be worrying about as individuals. Um, and I started to think, where does my career path go from here? I I don't want to do more of this. 
this this isn't the right thing for me. Um, so I could drop back a couple of levels. That's a thing I could do, right? And then what what do you do from there? Do you do you strive to get back to that place that you were in that you didn't really like? That doesn't make sense either, does it? Um, so I started to think about what I could do that was a bit different. Um, and I discovered that actually some of the consultancies were really um, culturally positive places that I really felt connected with. Um, and I was very, very fortunate that I had um, multiple offers so I could really get to know those companies, really understand where they were coming from, what kind of what kind of ways they go about doing business. Hmm. And I could really make an informed decision. So I was incredibly fortunate. And why did you choose Foremost? I absolutely loved the culture at Foremost. Um, they absolutely um aligned to to that vision that I have of wanting to be that trusted advisor wanting to um relate to their clients first they weren't going to try and force a sale because they were sales driven they were going to build the relationship because being respected and trusted was the longer term way to generate ongoing business and clients that will come back time and time again so it, it felt very aligned to my view of what a consultancy should be like and also everybody that I met at Foremost felt like somebody that I would be happy to work with it felt felt culturally it felt like a really really good fit for me which was the absolute most important thing for me at that time um so so it felt like a a relatively easy decision. I mean, I say an easy decision. It still took me quite a while to to really, really firm up on it because it was a big, big move for me. It was a, a big decision to make to go out of insurance company and into consultancy. You know, it's the, the technical work is still there. The technical work is still the same, but a lot of it is different. The the business development, the ways of working. Um, a lot of what I'm doing, I'm um, I'm doing a lot of helping my my colleagues put together propositions because technically I, I know the backgrounds I understand what what people might want to do as a methodology and I can help them with that but then last Friday I spent 25 minutes and I'll be honest a couple of tears trying to work out how I could change a picture from a square in one app into a circle with a border around it in PowerPoint <laughs> so so I am learning a lot of new skills and I'm pretty sure that that sort of thing is something that I can pick up fairly quickly. Yeah. But, you know, from from having 25 years of experience, having an opinion about absolutely everything, I have gone back to start at the beginning on some on some things. I am as helpless as a kitten and having to ask, you know, the new graduates to help me. How do I, how do, I do this? How do I make that one look like that one? Yeah. When, when you were interviewing and exploring you know, a number of different consultancies, yeah. I would have thought that it must be quite tough to not just hear what they're saying, but to actually, you know, do they mean it? Are they just taking what you've said you're looking for, regurgitating it back and say, oh yeah, come and work with us. We we develop business in this way. Do you have any advice for people in terms of how to really get to know the company, really understand what you're getting into and, and asking good questions in that process? I mean... I don't think I've got, a, I haven't got a silver bullet for that, definitely. I, I think that there's a lot of trusting of your instinct. I think as now that I'm in foremost, some of the things that they were saying that 
if I'm honest, I was slightly sceptical. Well, you know, can you really be that supportive around that? Can you, re- you know, is that going to be real when I get there? And actually, I'm hearing it from everyone. You know, I'm sitting in the, we have a break room, we have a kitchen. It's got, they provide snacks. I've never worked anywhere where they provide snacks. And everyone <laughs> congregates and everyone chats. And it's just a really lovely culture to be in. And every and it's incredibly diverse organisation. And everyone that you speak to there says the same, that the company has been incredibly supportive and that everyone says to me, you know, if you're going to be learning new things and starting starting from scratch in some ways, this is the place to do it because they will be supportive and they will, they will be patient. So it, it has, I my gut feeling has been borne out. Um, so I think a lot of it is trusting your instincts. Yeah. Um, but I was slightly rel- I'm sure all of the companies got slightly fed up of me asking questions, but I didn't I didn't stop until I had the answers I was looking for. And I think that's well, whether I did the right thing or not, whether whether I was lucky to get away with it, I don't know, but that was what I did. Um and I felt like I, I had a really good picture of of the different organizations. Yeah. And how's it been sort of three weeks in? It's it's incredibly early days. It's been it's been a roller coaster already. Three weeks in. And it's already I, I absolutely love it. I can't tell you how excited I am. Um I've been I've been involved in some some proposals which has been new and exciting, but also I've felt really valued because, you know, they they come to me and ask my advice as an actuary because I, I've seen things that perhaps they haven't seen in, in their particular journey. So that's been really, really nice. And I felt really, really welcome. There have been days like when I was trying to make my PowerPoint. Just, <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? Um, but they've been they've been few and far between. I'm feeling I'm feeling supported and welcomed. And therefore, I'm feeling really excited and energized by it. When you look back over your career, would you, if you could, would you have changed anything or done anything in a different order? I don't really think about life like that, to be honest. I mean, I could have gone into modelling sooner, but then I wouldn't have done the other things that I did, which which have made me the person that I am now. And actually, I've experienced so many different aspects of actuarial work. You know, now, if a proposition comes into foremost... There's almost nothing that I haven't seen. So I can, you know, I feel like I can I can suggest things, I can add value on a really wide range of, of subjects. Um, so even decisions that I've made that at the time I thought, oh, well, that was the wrong thing. Actually, you know, there's no point regretting it because it's all made put me in the position that I'm in now. And I'm really, really lucky. What advice would you give to somebody who's starting their actual journey today just to try everything absolutely be open to all the opportunities you just don't know what you're going to be good at and what you're going to like so try everything in the words of Shakira try everything um and be open to feedback I think feedback is a really hard thing to take um and you need it it took me a long time to really welcome feedback but actually it's the quickest way to get better so you know 
actually ask for feedback really welcome it and sometimes you know if you get some really challenging really constructive feedback it can feel like a bit of a sucker punch but you've got to own that um you've you've got to um you've got to take possession of it you've got to make it your own um vocalize it repeat it back say it out loud it takes all the sting out of it and um really think this is how I will advance the fastest. This is how I will become better. It's really, really hard as a as a middle aged woman now. It's still hard, but as a as a graduate on a graduate scheme, it can feel really injuring. But the faster you can get around that change curve, um, the faster you can really improve. Mm-hmm. Is there a people element to your job? Will there be a people element? Are you going to find yourself? with 100 people reporting into you again no no I will not and there's definitely been an element of me thinking you know going into consultancy (laughs) I've been on that peak and trough roller coaster of how many people I've managed for 25 years it can't happen because there are less than 80 people on the actuarial side in foremost which is I mean, I think this, the number of actuarial people in foremost is the same as my, um, about the same as my team size was in legal in general. So I'm really happy that, you know, they really are never going to give me more than two or three people. And that really works for me. At the moment, I have nobody that I'm managing. I'm working with lots of people, um, but I'm not managing them. And I'm quite content for that to stay the case um, for, for the short term. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know too much about foremost, but I was on the website and they've, they've grown a lot they've got 250 plus people and only been going for sort of 12 13 years yeah they're a massive success story so they started out on the credit risk um side in in banking so they were doing credit risk modeling affordability um all those kinds of things um and then they branched out into actuarial they brought in Ramesh Indran who's really led the insurance side um he's a a really fantastic role model for anybody and they've grown from there they now specialize i don't they don't really specialize in anything actually because they've got a really broad breadth of of expertise and individuals but but they've got a background in in modeling in change regulatory change um methodology type work they do process improvements they're very technological so it's um it's a really, it's a really exciting place to work, and it's also a really good fit for a lot of my experience. And what I've been really taken aback by, slightly, slightly intimidated sometimes. Let's be honest. Everyone that I've come into contact with is incredibly talented at what they do. It's been really impressive to see. In life insurance, I imagine the job a graduate would do now is very different to what you did um, when you started. How do you see the role of a life? actuary or a life consultant evolving over the next five ten years so there's been a lot of technological change and there will continue to be a lot of technological advancement and i think that that characterizes the the change in the role more than anything the actual role of a student in some ways is similar in that you know they would be perhaps when i was a student calculating the liabilities doing some coding to create some code that would create something automatically um doing some analysis and, and the, the kind of basic features they're still the same but the coding is more advanced the techniques are more advanced and the amount of actual 
turning of a handle is hopefully less than it was when I was a student. Um, but fundamentally, you know, the, the concepts haven't changed and, and probably won't change. I think the, the future of the role, more broadly, not just for the new graduates, it's all about moving towards um, the, the cutting edge technology that will take a lot of the grunt work out. But actually, that doesn't make anything easier because that means that you have to have more understanding of the numbers that you're getting out. So there's more emphasis on analysis. There's more emphasis on the value add, in my view. Fantastic. My final question is, what are you looking forward to over the next 12 months? And that can be work-related, personal or, or one of each. So work-related, I'm really looking forward to just getting out there and um, seeing the actuaries and the insurance companies who I've known for a long time and now I need to get out there and say to them, okay, this is where I am now, what can I do for you? And establishing those relationships and establishing myself as somebody that can offer help and can be a trusted partner. So I'm really excited about doing that. And I'm also excited about um, having the the time and, and the, the investment from Foremost in, in my time that I can develop some CPD um, sessions and go and roll them out so I can de- deliver them to insurance companies to their teams or to the in-house CPD days I'm going to go out to a lot of the regional actuarial societies hopefully so spending a lot of time going out and meeting people and being with people and and listening brilliant well I'm sure lots of people listening to this I mean you know you're so lovely to, to, to speak to and to listen to I'm sure people would love to get in touch with you and, and and connect um are you happy for them to reach out and if so what's the best way for them to do so I would absolutely love for anybody to reach out and I am very happy to come and meet people um and to understand what challenges they're facing and see what I can offer in the way of advice or help I would love that you can find me on LinkedIn I'm Kath Hodges Kath with a C um, or you can email me on kath.hodges at four-most.co.uk. Fantastic. Is there anything you thought I was going to ask but I haven't or anything you wanted to talk about that hasn't come up? I mean, I think I've probably banged on about Foremost quite a lot now, but I would just say they are um, an absolute breath of fresh air. For someone who's been battle-scarred by some of the consultancies that I've worked with, um, their attitude genuinely from the inside, their attitude is we want to provide a really good quality service. We want to leave a good quality product that leaves people with a positive impression so that they will want to come back to us again. So they want to come in, do a good quality job for the price that they've said and leave with everybody smiling. Um, They are the next generation of consultants as far as I can see. So if you are looking for solutions on things like MA optimization, the new MA attestation rules coming out through Solvency UK, much, much more horrible, I think, than anybody had appreciated three months ago. Um, If you want to talk about any of those things, give me a shout. All the Solvency UK reforms that are coming through. we've got loads of solutions that will help ease your path through them. Fantastic. And I must say, you have been smiling throughout. I can tell that everything you said about them is absolutely genuine and you're, and you're I, loving it. I mean, yeah, but to, to be fair, I do normally smile. I do have the opposite <laughs> of a resting face. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Actuarial People. Please don't forget to subscribe and consider leaving a review. If you have any questions or feedback or any suggestions for future guests, please contact me on info at actuarialpeople.com. This podcast is sponsored by my recruitment company, Turner Perkins, and you can contact me there at james.turner at turnerperkins.com. Hope to see you again.